Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you listen. means all the same to us. We appreciate you greatly. Hopefully, you had a great holiday week. We're uh, coming up on New Year's Eve, New Year 2021. Everyone's real excited. Probably be just as crappy as the the one before. (laughs) Maybe not that crappy. Probably can't be. But anyways, our last one. Nah, we might have one more. One of the last two, our last football episode of 2020, uh, a crazy Sunday of just just madness ensuing, which is leading to now a week 17 with madness to ensue yet again. But let me bring in my co-host first, Pat Boyle. Tough one for you on Sunday, but how are you, my friend? Happy holidays. Yeah, I'm, I'm still a little sick. I still got a little, uh, you know, post-Jets you know, vomit in my in my mouth, so I need to get that out. Um, but yeah, other than that, Pete's been uh, it's good. It's good to get back on here. I know. Uh, I think we took the week off, you know, with the holidays and everything. So it's good to be back. Yeah, man, it it feels great to be back. Uh, shout out to Rocco, not here with us today. Condolences to his family. Unfortunately, a family member lost this week, uh, so we we miss him. But you know, he spent time with his family as one does. It's always tough to lose somebody. Extra tough around the holidays. So shout out to Rock and his fam. We're thinking of you, but also with us though. To go back to a positive note, Chris Mule with us here. And you got a little more juice in your system despite a near really bad loss for your fins. But you must be feeling a little better than Pat over here, huh? Yeah, Petey, we're on uh, two opposite ends here. Um, like you just said, though, I was going to start off by saying shout out to Rocco. Obviously, we're all thinking about him through the holidays. Tough end of 2020. We love you, man. But, um, you know, another note, yeah, definitely. You know, there's five teams now, 10 and 5 in the AFC. You know, a couple of weeks ago, you guys were on this pod without me saying my Dolphins were going to lose all three of these games. Hey, not so me. So far, we got two of them. And uh, the AFC playoff picture is a madhouse, I'll tell you that much. So I'm excited to dive into it with you fellas. Absolutely insane playoff picture now. With the extra playoff team, uh, the extra playoff team in each conference, you know, you would think, like, oh, yeah, there might be like a worse team in the playoffs than normal, right? You might have. Uh, a weaker unit of, of playoff teams because there's one more, right? Watered down. Uh, not the case in the AFC. Right now, the Indianapolis Colts are on the outside looking in at 10-5, and five, uh, which is crazy. We just talked about the Browns, you know, lost, but they're still in a driver's seat spot if they could, they control their own destiny. Um, even though they lost to the Jets, they can make it in. We have the Ravens, we have the Dolphins, all at 10 wins. It, it's just, it's crowded, and all these teams, though partially flawed, all very competent and all capable to win a playoff game, maybe two. Who knows? So the, the layout for the episode here, we're going to start off with the AFC. We're going to hop over to the NFC after that. We're going to hit on the Browns and the Fins and the Ravens and um, the whole AFC picture. Then we'll switch over. We'll hit the NFC East. We'll talk about what's going on there. Um, obviously, the Giants came up small again against a really good Ravens team. What did you expect? I don't know. But the, the Washington football team, they come up small again. The Cowboys look like they have a shot to win the, the title now for the NFC East. It's madness, but realistically, there's really just one place to start here, Uh, partially because Pat Boyle is here, a Browns fan. We've been talking Browns for a minute now. Uh, Also, the Jets picture in this game as well. But Pat, you were were an early adapter to the idea 
that the Browns had a chance to not just be a good playoff team, but to possibly win that division. Obviously, with the loss here, that's gone. Like that, that's pretty much. Well, that is te- is that fi- technically out? That's not possible yeah. now, right? So that's no, phys- physically yeah, impossible now. But it doesn't mean you can't go into the playoffs feeling good about yourself. When you saw this game, when you watched it and ingested it and thought about it after, despite the COVID wide receiver nonsense that ensued, what was the biggest disappointment for you with this Browns lack of a, a showing, basically? Because you can point to a couple things. Baker threw the ball way more times than you would expect in a game that close. But I don't know. To you, what disappointed you the most about that loss? Yeah, I think it was just the fact, and again, Pete, you know, I'm not going to make excuses here because at the end of the day, teams have, multiple teams have battled COVID issues uh, for multiple weeks in the season. Pittsburgh Steelers, one of them, right in the, right in the own division. So for a Browns fan, for me to make that excuse, uh, my opinion would be bullshit. So I'm not going to come on here and do that. That being said, you know, when you have two of your starting linemen out for the game, your entire wide receiving core out because of the COVID issues and a starting linebacker, but more importantly on the offensive side, more so than in other games, you have to rely on what you do well, and that is run the damn ball. And the first three drives, the Browns maybe got a cumulative 20 yards of offense. The run game was averaging two yards a carry, and Kevin Stefanski, something he hasn't done basically all year, gets away from the run game. And it, the Jets were – that was even before the Jets went up 20-3. to It was, what, 13-3 at the point where all of a sudden I'm seeing Baker drop back to pass on every single play, and I'm thinking to myself, what the hell is going on here? You know, he's throwing every pass to Hooper and these guys Bradley and Marvin Hall, and nobody's ever heard of. And I'm saying to myself, they're literally down 10 points to the Jets, who outside of last week against the Rams have blown every situation they've been in, especially with a lead. So not even just the result at the end of the day, yeah, it sucked because I never would have thought in a million years they would have lost to the Jets, and it's embarrassing. Practice-wide, practice-wide receivers are not. But for the way that it – for them to lose, and that's for Baker to throw the ball 50-plus times and you only run the ball 18 times as a team against the Jets – that, to me, is very concerning uh, as to if the Browns do win and get in against the Steelers next week. That would obviously feel great because then you kind of forget the Jets' loss. You go on in a high note. But for me, it's more so of like, okay, if they get down, if they get into the playoffs and they get down by 10 points, by 13 points in the playoffs, are they going to completely abandon the run game again? And what I saw against the Jets was very concerning. It makes me believe they might, which makes me believe they might get blown out in the one and only playoff game they play. So. That is the most disappointing and frustrating point for me because, again, you run the ball more so than anything to wear a team down over the course of a game, and they got away from it. They let the Jets get comfortable. And even then, with throwing the ball, there was none of the bootleg play action that we saw against the Giants. It was very stale for me, so very disappointing in terms of the coaching aspect. And, again, makes me wonder for this team if they do get into the postseason and get down early in the playoffs. I don't think they'll be able to come back. And it's funny that that's the thing now that is uh, something that you feel like it's holding your team back because that's what the other team in your division seems to hold them back, right? The Ravens have that same exact conversation. Yeah, they look great when they're running the ball down your throat and up early. What happens when you're down and you have to come back? The weird thing for me, like you just explained uh, the score situation there, it wasn't like they were ever down by three scores. They weren't down, you know, 30 to 
to to seven. Like they weren't getting absolutely smoked, and they still abandoned the run game. You know, in theory, they could have could have stuck to it. It wasn't like the clock was working that hard against them uh, throughout the whole game there. So that that was a weird one for me. Um, but what about what about Baker in general? Is, is it as simple as if he's throwing fifty times? That's not usually a formula for success. Or was there something more specific about, you know, what you saw or didn't see from him throwing the ball? Well, I know this. There's been 10 times in Baker's career where he's thrown the ball more than 40 times. He's 1-9 and nine when he does so. So That's that, a tells, stat, you baby. Good that stat. tells you everything you need to know right there. I, I, in terms of him throwing the ball in general, I thought he had an okay game. I don't think uh, he forced the ball a lot. I don't think he threw an interception. It was the last two drives. Again, even when they get back into the game, they're down 23 16 they've got a chance to go down and score a touchdown twice and he gets strip sacked and then he's and then he fumbles on the quarterback sneak so it's him fumbling the ball on the last two drives rather than throwing an interception making bad decisions and uh you know again he's throwing a practice squad wide receivers so just in terms of him actually throwing the ball itself i wasn't disappointed i I wasn't i wasn't thinking like wow this is bad it's uh, again just in terms of the game plan The, the browns are so dangerous on offense because they run the ball and they make teams have to put seven, eight guys in the box, which then makes the passing game better. You know, Landry and, and Donovan Peoples-Jones are not. When they're not running the ball and they're throwing every time, it's it, they're just not set up for success. So, yeah, Baker shouldn't ever throw the ball more than 40, 45 times in a game. That Baltimore game was obviously different. But for the most part, they should run the ball 30 times a game, throw the ball 30 times a game. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that, that... – I think most quarterbacks, if you're throwing that many times, something's not going in your favor. Usually you're throwing that that many times if you're behind. Like we were saw uh, in the beginning of the year before Joe Burrow went down, he was throwing the ball a ridiculous amount of times. It was because the Bengals were losing every game, and that was the only way they had a chance to come back. Exactly. It, di- it didn't feel like that was the exact case for the Browns, but that's what they turned it into. Um, Mule, I know you have an interest in that Browns game as well. Obviously, you didn't think of them beforehand as a team that, was going to possibly fall out of one of those wild card slots um, that the dolphin that you want your dolphins in, but now it's actually possible. So let me real quick run through this, and then you get you get your two cents in on it. Um, right now, we have the Chiefs, Steelers, and Bills all clinched in their division spots for the division title. Chiefs, Steelers, Bills—that's one, two, three. Titans and Colts are in a virtual tie, ten and five, but the Titans have the tie break over Indianapolis. And then in the wild card spots, we have Dolphins. Ravens, Browns, in that order for now, with the Colts on the outside looking in at 10-5 and five as well. Uh, so, <laughs> a lot of movement here. Now, Mule, what what did you think? I know that... Oh, well, that game was on Sunday, so your, your game was over already, but what did you think when you saw that score for Cleveland? Well, to be honest, Petey, you know, my big thing is what I've been saying is that I don't really like to root for the other things to happen. The Dolphins have the choice of winning all their games and being in, so in my head, I'm just like, all right, if we win, we get in, and I, I try not to keep up with all the scenarios, but obviously if I'm sitting home watching Sunday football, I can't help myself. So, you know, I'm, I start seeing the Jets taking a little bit of lead over the Browns. I check Twitter, and all these beat reporters are saying, all right, if the Jets beat the Browns, the, the Dolphins are going to flip to the five, and now they got a better chance next week because in week 17, if the Steelers beat the Browns, the Dolphins can even lose to Buffalo and they can still make the playoffs. So it definitely has, has a spark of my interest, but – to me, the easiest way to get in is to win. But then again, you're playing Buffalo, so obviously there's a good chance we might lose. So that Brown Steelers game becomes that much important. But you know, I was telling Patty before the show, there's a lot of things with seeding, and I won't even act like I know the exact details because I definitely don't. But 
depending on the way tonight's game goes and depending on the way the seating sits after tonight, that the Steelers might not want to play next week because I think them even losing um, solidifies them in a spot where they might be able to avoid the Ravens or a couple different scenarios. But, you know, I think after tonight, everyone will know the exact scenarios. But, you know, all these games are meaning something to somebody, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. And the funny thing is the parallels between the Dolphins and the Browns kind of continue. There were two teams that, if you really think about it, were expected to make nice pushes this season, but weren't maybe expected to be 11-win teams, right? Not that they either have 11, 11 wins yet, but they're both one win away. Now, in Week 17, they're facing their division rival, who both locked up playoff spots already. But, as you mentioned, some teams may have more to play with play for than others, a.k.a. the Bills may care more about that home field advantage or not seeing the Chiefs until you know the conference championship whereas the Steelers have already played five games in December, or they're going to play five games in December when they play this last game, or no, that, that'll be in January, whatever. They had, with their COVID, all these issues and the bye that they lost out on. They've played so many games recently, they might not even care. They just want to get healthy. They want to get right. So what those games mean to one another is going to be very, very different. Uh, and we're going to get into the Dolphins Raiders for a second here. But, Pat, now that, now that you're, uh, you know, you're facing the playoffs you're, you're staring the playoffs in your face right now. And this is a, this is a question I kind of don't prefer to ask, but it feels necessary in this particular situation. Are you looking at this season as a failure, basically? I'm just going to keep it as simple as possible. Is it a failure if you guys don't make the playoffs after the position you were in with a chance to beat the Jets to solidify that status? Yeah, absolutely. It's a failure regardless of how they started the season, going into the season. We saw this team get hyped up last year and fall flat on their faces. And, you know, obviously Freddie Kitchens was a gigantic problem. And we knew all the talent was there this year. The same talent, if not better talent than last year. They made the additions to the offensive line. The defensive front seven has really improved. And the secondary, you know, damn, man, that secondary is going to be even more dangerous next year once um, Grant Delpit's healthy and Greedy Williams is healthy again. But I expected this team to make the playoffs from the beginning of the season. So, now it's even more disappointing than it would be at the beginning of the year, especially with the start they had if they don't make it. So, yes, failure of a season uh, because they lost to the Jets if they don't make this, uh, the playoffs and failure of a season uh, overall. Um, and, and, you know, what Mule was touching on, the Steelers are basically, I believe, either going to be the two or the three seed. Buffalo can overtake them. Uh, but either way, they can't go lower than the three, I believe. So, you know, and again, you know, do you, who do you want to match up with? They have no clue who they're going to play. We, you know, we see Tennessee, Miami, Baltimore, Browns, Colts, five teams, four through eight, all at 10 and five. So they have no clue. It's basically just do you want to rest Big Ben? I think even if they play their, all their starters, they'll probably pull them at halftime. Uh, so I do believe that the Browns will have an advantage to win the game. And even if they didn't, it's a game that with how bad Pittsburgh has been for the last th- three out of four weeks, and in that first half against Indianapolis, the Browns have to, have to go out and win this game. You have to wipe out the last two decades of frustration in this game here on Sunday. And I'm, I love that Baker took all the blame for the game on Sunday, the t- took all the blame in the loss. I expect him to come out. I expect them to come out all cylinders firing and put together a good performance. I do think they are going to win the game. Man, I... With the, with the wins that they had and then the schedule they had lined up, I, I have to agree because normally I would be a big picture guy and I would say, no, it's not a failure. It didn't hit the level of success that you hoped or that you thought you could, but you cannot call it a failure based off where you were one year ago, based what you expected 16 weeks ago. All these things lead to it still being a success, but 
when you look at that schedule and you look at the Jets, you really can put that disappointment to a place of failure in a sense. But there obviously still is a great deal of progress made in Cleveland this year, and that's that's obviously undeniable. Yeah, no, absolutely. There definitely is. And now this team is going to be expected to make the playoffs year after year, considering they've got the youngest offense in the entire NFL. There isn't a, a single offensive starter uh, under over the age of 30. The offensive line is stacked. The running back core should be intact for the next couple of years, even without Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb is your guy. And the same thing with Baker. You know, he's your, he's your quarterback. And, again, it is um, – you know, Pete, it's a huge game on Sunday. Yes, right now everything sucks because the loss to the Jets. All is forgiven, all is forgotten if they beat the Steelers and get into the playoffs on Sunday. Absolutely, that's what that's what it all comes down to. Absolutely, for yep that that's literally it. If you win this week, it doesn't matter. And the embarrassing loss against the Jets, literally, it might as well have never happened. Basically, right? So we'll see what happens there. I do have to give myself quickly two taps on the back, though. One, two, because not only have I been saying for a number of weeks now, and you guys can can remember this or not, I definitely said it on the podcast, as much as people wanted to say the Jets are going 0-16, they're going to be the worst team, they're going to get Trevor Lawrence, 0-16 is a lock. I was like, it's hard to be that bad. It is, it, oh, it's almost impossible. It's happened so few times in the NFL. You can't point to any team until maybe they're 0-15 and say, oh, this team's a lock to be 0-16 because it's, it's hard to to lose when you have professional football players going out there trying to maintain their status as a professional football player, coaches trying to coach to get a job, and et cetera, et cetera. So the Jets now have two wins, which is hilarious, but shout to me for that. Shout to me as well. Jets are one of my picks this week. I pick Jets plus uh, plus six and a half in my picks. I actually, if the Bills score stays as it is currently, a four and one week for me again, Patty. I think you're on pace for three and two. Or are you going two and three here? I went two and two and three. So I think that was my first losing week, and since I threatened to shave my head, so yeah. Well, we're not gonna Might we're have... not we're not gonna put that put that on you again. You have enough stress going on you with the Browns here. So uh, another winning week though for us total. Your your and I uh, combined record looking very hot right now. Mueller, you might need to start following us fully over here. You know, you know, you also said too, Pete. I got to throw in that, and I got to give you credit on multiple pick spots. You said. I don't want to bet the Jets and look at myself and say, I'm going to lose this teaser or I'm going to lose this parlay. Oh, my Jets. God. And what did, what did your good old buddy do the last two weekends? What did he do? Yeah, you, take you, a guess. You lost teasers on the Browns uh, or the Rams yeah. against the Jets. The Rams and the Browns. Yep, minus a half. The both <laughs> of them and a, little, and a loss. What else is new? But, Dude. you know, you were right about that too, Petey. There you go. Uh, three things I got right about the Jets this year. Obviously, we, we can have a conversation about the Jets and their future and all the things they have to decide on. But we'll, we'll, we have another podcast for that in a couple weeks after the playoffs are over and we know about the draft and we know what they're going to do with Sam Darnold because there's obviously a lot of questions to be had about their head coach and just everything in their organization, really. But now they will not be uh, getting the play of Trevor Lawrence in their future. But such is life for a New York Jets fan right now. So uh, let's keep it moving. Pat, how much more time you got? You got to bounce soon? I, I don't want to start yeah, something. Another- Got another five minutes before I got to leave for the fan here on a late Monday night. So let's stick around for one more quick segment. Perfect. So we're actually going to move on to the Miami Dolphins because I think, you know, in the realm of time, we could have argued. Obviously, we did uh, the Browns first because you have to bounce soon. But if we didn't have a time constraint here, we could have easily argued what is the biggest storyline coming into this this week now? Was it the Browns possibly dropping out of a playoff spot or 
you know, perhaps blowing up their playoff chances, or is it the Tua Fitz Dolphins situation? Because that now has a ton of intrigue. And who would have thought in 2020 we have the Browns and Dolphins as top tier storylines in this league? So we're sticking in the AFC. You know, we can talk about the Chiefs only winning by three against the Falcons, but what are we going to say? We're going to say the Chiefs are still the best team until proven otherwise, despite their lackluster wins. Steelers finally had a good win. They're not going to lead the show with that. So that brings us to the Dolphins. The Browns and Dolphins were the two big storylines for me coming into this one. And uh, Mule, we'll, we'll, we'll let you discuss your agita after Pat gets his take in. And I'm just going to ask you this right now, Pat, because you had a take on it a couple weeks back already. Tua fits. The debate is even stronger now than it ever was. Would it be right to just say Fitz is the starter, or do you agree with the ride to out until we need to throw some magic on the bunch? P, I, I don't know how you can watch these Miami Dolphins games over the last couple of weeks and think and, and be confident, especially Mule as a Dolphins fan. How can you watch and be confident and say Tua is our starting quarterback week in and week out when you consistently can't get the ball down the field? He is almost afraid not almost he is afraid to throw the ball down the field he goes I'm gonna take hey I'm gonna take what the defense gives me yeah that's fine sweet and, and you know we talked the first couple of weeks you know he's a rookie quarterback thrust into a situation he didn't think he'd be in and that is a team marching towards a playoff berth for the first time in in several years and that was fine for the first couple of weeks but now here we are at the end of December do you can you really still say that yeah don't worry you know two will be fine we'll be fine for the future no, you've got a top-tier defense. You've got one of the best defenses in the league. You've got the most lethal defense and maybe special teams in the, in the league to the point where you could potentially make some noise in the playoffs. Again, you win one game, you win two games, you're in the AFC title game. So I don't know how you can say I'm confident in Tua being the starter. And if we get in trouble, let's, let's go to the bullpen. Let's do the starter reliever like this is baseball and let's go to Fitz. That's bullshit. That's ridiculous. Brian Fitzpatrick has come in the last couple of games and he has absolutely pissed on defenses, throwing missiles left and right. He is, he's playing like the Fitz magic that we've seen. And yes, you know, we've seen the negative side. He came in a couple of weeks ago when Tua got benched the first time, drove the team down the field, then threw a pick in the end zone. He's not going to deliver every single time, but the way, what he did against Vegas, doubling the amount of passing yards that Tua had in the, in the span of three minutes unbelievable and I refuse to sit here and believe from Mule from you I love you buddy but I refuse to sit here and believe from you or anybody else that you guys that you guys could say yeah well who Tua could have done that too down the stretch no he couldn't have because he can't throw the ball down the field I don't understand why he's not taking shots like take some shots if you throw a pick on a 40-yard pass so what we've seen Mahomes do it a couple of times this year he's the best quarterback in the league you have to be able to throw the ball down the field and we see this offense just immediately clicks so much better with Fitzpatrick under center. To me, he's got to be your starting quarterback for the postseason. And until I see differently, he's on the team and he's your starting quarterback in 2021 as well. Wow. Strong words out of Pat Boyle. Mule, what do you got to say? Well, listen, the sad part is, you know, Patty gives me a, a great strong argument. I don't really necessarily disagree. That's the problem. Um, I'm watching the game on Saturday and I saw it on Twitter before it even happened. Someone tweeted, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is currently throwing the ball to Mike Kosicki on the sideline. And I knew it. I think we were down three at that point, too, and I knew it. I'm like, they're going to take him out. They're going to bring in Fitz for the spark. And, of course, Flores is going to say the same thing again. He's like, I needed a spark. And he did. He said, he said the same thing post game. And, you know, I don't want to say, you know, I was mad, but 
you know, I'm more, I'm more upset to the point that, you know, the Raiders defense is a, is not a good defense. They're dismantled with injuries. They have a horrible back end when it comes to the secondary. They don't rush the passer. We protected pretty well. And Tua couldn't get it done. Now, did he go out there and throw three interceptions and, you know, a bunch of fumbles? And did he look absolutely horrendous? No. But all he did was dink and dunk. He threw the ball three yards. He threw the ball two yards. He threw the ball three yards. He threw it five yards. Maybe an eight-yard pass. Like, he didn't he didn't stretch the ball down the field. Now, whether that's all him, not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm one that I'll blame the offense coordinator, Chan Gailey, because the, the game plan gets a lot different when Ryan Fitzpatrick goes in the game. But, you know, listen, at the end of the day, I can't keep giving the kid excuses. I can't. You know, you're playing the Raiders, bottom tier defense. You got to win. You have a couple of playmakers, not everyone, but you have enough guys to, you know, hopefully stretch the ball down the field a little bit against a pretty poor defense. So I'm not going to sit here and be an apologist. So, you know, when Pat makes that point, I'm kind of going to agree. Like, you know, it's going to be a time where, you, you know, he's going to start the game next week against Buffalo. Brian Flores already said it. You can't go out and throw for 86 yards at half and have, you know, by the time the third quarter is coming to an end, maybe 130 yards. That's not going to beat Buffalo. I don't care if Josh Allen's playing or or the back, or Barkley's playing or whoever that backup is. doesn't matter. So, you know, if we make it to the playoffs now, the question becomes – the big question becomes, all right, you know, are we really going to go out and start Tua against, I don't know, maybe the Steelers, Buffalo? You know, is he really going to confidently do that? Or is the team in the locker room going to be pressing and saying – you know, we want we want old man Fitz. We want old man Fitz. So, listen. You know, I'm I'm happy. You know, it was a great win. It was one of the more exhilarating wins of the weekend for sure. But at the same time, we got a little bit of controversy on our hands. So, I guess we'll see how it plays out. At the end of the day, I, I trust Brian Flores. I I hate that he you know he has to do stuff like this, but he he did it in a good time. And if he left two in, we're out of the playoffs, and I'm sitting here sulking because we're not even in the picture here. We're getting right. eliminated by the Raiders. So at the end of the day, as a fan, I'm still happy, and I trust my coach. Not so confident in my quarterback situation, but I, you know, I can't complain. We're ten and five, and we got a chance to do something here, so we'll see. Yeah, Mulane, those are great points, man. And you know, I did. Um, you you mentioned a couple of great things too, like the Raiders' defense. Their secondary is atrocious. So if there was a team that Tua could maybe throw, start taking some shots down the field again against, it was them. And he, you know, he just didn't do it. Um, and another thing, you know, I I understand I'm I'm being hard on him, but again, like. You mean to tell me, like, this it, This is all different, again, if it's week 10, like it was a couple of weeks ago. We're in week 16, now week 17 coming up here with the playoffs just around the bend. Like, you still are not in the playoffs yet. You have to win the game potentially against Buffalo because Tennessee's playing Jacksonville. Or excuse me, Indianapolis is playing Jacksonville. Uh, Baltimore is playing – who is Baltimore playing? Baltimore's playing Cincinnati. The Browns, we mentioned, they could be playing a, a Steelers team resting their starters. So if all these teams win and Miami loses and you guys lose, you're done. And all of a sudden what looked like could have been a great season is all for nothing. So basically the same situation my Brownies are in. It's, it's eerily odd how it's eerily eerie how similar these teams are right now in the positions they're in. And I'm hard on him because again, like I think you and any other Dolphins fan would agree your defense, your special teams is good enough to potentially pull off an upset win in the wildcard weekend and hell even maybe deliver a bigger upset win in the divisional round. So again and I make the same argument for the Ravens and again the Browns like this team they don't do well when they're down behind early if you're down behind early like and you got two in you can't just expect Fitzpatrick you're gonna go hey let's let's go to Fitzpatrick he'll lead us back like against the Chiefs against the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs it's like that's not gonna happen so that's why I'm speaking almost out of like a Miami fan point of view I, I feel like mm. 
because I would be a little bit more critical of what's going on right now. Pat, you just crushed it there. Uh, that me, me and Mule will continue the conversation, but I believe you have to run now. Is that right? That is correct. I got to go to the fanboys, but yes. love you guys. We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk next week. Pat, good, thank buddy. you as always. Tell our boy JJ uh, what up and that he should come on the pod. Tell him that. Tell, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll know, I'll, P. That'd be that'd be a sick pod, bro. Yeah, we'll get. <laughs> I will let him know. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, uh, yeah, we'll talk. Maybe, maybe I've, I've never actually asked him. I've, it's one of those things I asked him in passing. Pat, sorry, you can just, you can run now. I'm just going to talk now. But Pat Boyle, appreciate you. Go Browns in week 17. We'll talk. We'll get our picks out on week 17 again as well, whether it be podcast, Twitter, Instagram, or all three as usual. Um, yes, sir. Shouts to you, buddy. Um, but yeah, Mule, I, I was talking to JJ in the past. Like, it's one of those things where you're in the control room. And it's like, yeah, dude, like you should do my pod. He's like, yeah, man, absolutely. And then I just always feel like bad to ask him because he's a busy guy, you know. He's running from TV to radio to he's doing three mile runs now every day. He's posting on his Instagram, <laughs> but, but no, he's obviously a great dude and a Dolphins fan just like you. So we'll continue the Dolphins fan conversation right now. Can can you tell me just like basically just weather weather this take for me real quick? Make sure that I'm not crazy. Could it be possible due to the other factors of Brian Flores having this locker room, you know, in lockstep, the fact that Tua and Fitzpatrick do seem to pull for each other as much as a quarterback competition can, right? Two individuals in quarterback competition, they pull for each other seemingly about as much as you possibly, possibly could, right? A vet who knows it's not his job for long, a uh, a youngin who knows that he probably needs to be better, right? Like, I think you could expect Tua to, to say if he was told, like, dude, you need, I need to be better. 100%, I need to be better. I think he's, he'll say that, right? So because of this unique dynamic that the Dolphins have right now, why can't it work to ride Tua in the beginning of games until there's crisis and you need spark and then bring in Fitzpatrick? Now, hold on, because I know what you're going to say. Oh, you can't do that. Two quarterbacks means no quarterbacks. Not that you're going to say that, but people are saying it. I can hear them. Right? Listen to this. Fitzpatrick started seven games this year as quarterback. Two has started eight. Two is six and two. Fitzpatrick was four and three. There's a lot of other circumstances there. The defense really took off in the middle portion of the season, and the special teams is making crazy plays in the middle portion of the season. But in those eight starts for Tua, seven starts for Fitzpatrick, Tua has a 10 to three touchdown interception. Fitz has a uh, 13 to eight. Right? So just think about those simple numbers. I know the yards per attempt are in Fitzpatrick's favor. That's obvious. We expected that. But there is an argument to be made that if Tua is not better at winning the games for the Dolphins, he's better than Fitzpatrick at not losing them. So in theory, if the defense is hot and Tua has a better version of his rookie season games, they can be in a position to win without the spark that Fitzpatrick gives. So is it possible that for this specific, unique situation with two quarterbacks who know seemingly who they are in this league right now, that this Tua starting Fitzpatrick and relief thing could actually work? I think there's a realm where it actually could work. Well, you know, it definitely could work because one of the biggest things when it comes to that, if that's if this is going to be a recurring thing, which I guess we'll find out, but, you know, a team prepares for a quarterback. For the most part, a team prepares for a quarterback. They right. Prepare, so Buffalo, after tonight's game, is most likely going to prepare for Tua on 
you know, next Sunday. Because Flores now, said I'm, he's going to start. Right, and I'm, and I'm sure McDermott will, will say, you know, we might see Fitzpatrick, so let's watch a little bit of Ryan Fitzpatrick. But a team's going to go into a, a very important game and say, all right, here's the starting quarterback, here's the film, here's what he does good, here's what he does bad. So when you're deep late into a third quarter and it's a tight game, no one's really thinking deep down, you know, maybe they might pull this guy and they're going to pull him the backup. So now, you know, now that you have the team that has to prepare for that and a team that has to have that in the back of their mind, that almost might be a positive thing. Now, you know, you said before that a lot of people are going to say it doesn't work, two-quarterback system. You know, I, I'm also one to think that, you know, if you're going to be confident enough to, confident enough to go and start a guy, you ride out that guy. Now, if we're, if we're talking we're down 20, we're down 30, different ball game. If we're down three, down six, you know, I would like to see a little confidence – and just stick with your guy, whoever that may be. And, you know, you make a great point. You, you say that Flores has this locker room. You know, that's not even in question. So, you know, hopefully. If anyone can do it, you know what I mean? Like, if yeah. anyone can pull it off, Flores has this team pulling in the right direction to do so. Right. And the, the only thing that makes it, you know, justifiable, Pete, is the first, obviously, the first question he's going to get post-game presser. Was hey Brian, you know, what would you think about two and why? And he says the first thing he says doesn't even doesn't even answer the question correctly. He says, "Guys, two is going to be our quarterback next week. He's our guy moving forward. That's that's the end of the story." So he doesn't even play it up to say, "Yeah, we'll evaluate the tape. We'll see what's going on." Like Doug says, Peterson. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He says, "No, this is our guy. He's going to be our guy going forward. He needed a little help. We needed a little push from the offense, and we did it. But we're going back to our guy, and that's the end of the story." So. Yeah, it's weird, Petey. I can't sit here and say that I know what's right and I know what's wrong. All I know is that we're winning, and the culture around the Miami Dolphins is one that's one of the top in the league based off their coach and their defense and how they play football. But when it comes to offense, they definitely got to find themselves an identity, whether that's you know, you know, running the ball, throwing the ball. We don't have a great offense. Like Pat said, we're top three defense in the league. We're first in scoring and first in third down. But – you know, where our offense will take us, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, and it's just the, the reason I even think about this as a possibility is just because of the style of the two quarterbacks. They're they're so different at this point in time. Tua is conservative to a fault, as we're seeing at, at different points of these games now. But what can happen if Ryan Fitzpatrick is unleashed in a first half is that you can be out. It can be over. You can be out of a game by halftime if he throws two picks and the the opposing offense, you know, capitalizes on those two turnovers, and all of a sudden, you know, it's 21-3 to three in the second quarter. Like, that's something that can lose you a game off the jump. You don't expect Tua to make that type of mistake. He didn't throw a pick for his first four starts or something like that. You know, he takes some more sacks, but he just doesn't turn it over. He controls the ball a little more. And if you're Brian Flores, maybe you're saying, yo, if we're really playing to our strengths here, our strengths are not effing up offense and winning on defense and special teams. And maybe that's part of the reason why he continuously says two is our guy to start the next week. And I don't know. If they win this week and they're going into the playoffs, that'll be the most interesting answer we need to hear from Brian Flores if he's going to keep going with Tua into the playoffs. I imagine for that one, he may sit back and say, we're going to consider our options here. We're going to look at the film and we're going to decide who our quarterback is later in the week. Because then you also want, same thing, you want your uh, opposing team to maybe have to prepare, prepare for two guys or the wrong guy, whatever. So, I don't know, man. Absolutely yeah, wild listen. situation, bro. I mean, the only good yeah. thing for me is that Miles Gaskin's back and looks like he's ready to score touchdowns, and he he's one of the bigger guys who gets into the end zone for you uh, consistently this year. 
See, that's the thing, though, Peter. You said, like, he's he, he might have been our best weapon on Saturday. Like, is Miles Gaskin really going to go out and win you a football game? Like, he, he did on Saturday. <laughs> no, he did. No, he did. But, you know, like you said, you, you, make, a, you make a fantastic point. And it's, it's great that you put it like that. Go out, play great defense, and don't F up on offense. Yeah. Because when you, really, when you really say it like that, that's kind of what they do. I'm just like, saying, they, they like, gr- as much as a Good. chance there is for Fitz to throw – for 200 in the first half and two touchdowns or three touchdowns, it's just as good a chance that he throws for a touchdown and three picks. So are you going to really say, oh, I'm going to put my whole season on Fitzmagic? Or are you going to say, I'm going to put my whole season on the real strength of this team, which is the defense, and make sure our rookie quarterback who makes less rookie mistakes than our gunslinging veteran? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Because that's that's the difference. Fitzpatrick's been making rookie mistakes every year of his damn career. Like, I, I... I just I just get stuck where Ryan Fitzpatrick gets all this love because he's a really 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 easy guy to root for. He seems like such a dope guy. Like he's got the beard. He's a football guy. He lowers his head. He takes hits. He doesn't give a hell. He's letting it rip. He's such an easy guy to root for. But if you're gonna say that and not acknowledge the fact that he's made horrible mistakes every year of his career, which is why he's been on eight teams, like then you're not doing the right job here. You're not doing a full grasp of the situation. You're doing a pigeonholed look at what you like of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the fact that he went to Harvard doesn't mean nothing because he's not a smart quarterback. He's not. He might be a smart guy. He's not a smart quarterback. I know it's a joke now. Oh, yeah, you know, he went to Harvard. Like, yes, we all know. It's obvious. But he has never once proven to be a smart quarterback. Tua is a smarter quarterback, even if he's a more scared quarterback right now. I'll end it with this, Petey, because we don't want to. Yeah, we got to talk about this. Yeah, no, we, we don't want to bore our Subway Sports Talk fans. But first off, the throw that Fitz made was absolutely incredible. His freaking face mask was facing the opposite end zone. He threw a ball 40 yards on the field. But it doesn't help that he won in prime time. It doesn't help that the media took it and ran with it. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't help that, you know, now the narrative's out like, yo, Fitz magic is real. This guy's sick. Are you kidding me? Like, because we've if seen I have this story before. This guy, yeah, if I have to watch this guy roll out in Pittsburgh or Buffalo and start and put out this lackluster, shitty performance and throw three interceptions and we lose <laughs> by like 20, I'm going to bash my head through a wall because no one's saying Fitz magic right there. He'd be saying Fitz tragic, and I'm sick of it. I don't want to see it. I get it. He came in. Only he could do that. That was fantastic. Okay, it's over. Bang. That's it. Start the kid. Let's ride it out. Hopefully he has a good enough game so that there's no more questions. And I don't want to. I don't want to see any more Fitz Magic. Sorry, buddy. I know then, you're 38 and haven't made the playoffs, but I'm tired of it. And then you know what? Honestly, though, there's a great chance in the playoffs he gets in the second half again and has his chance to be magical. And maybe, just maybe, he's best in small doses. Maybe he's best in small doses. He's a reliever. He is the dude who comes in and saves the day. He's the sixth man for scoring. Uh, scoring punch. You know, like. Lou Williams is the guy who you want off the bench to get you 10, 10 points in the, in the end of a quarter, right? You're not throwing Lou Williams out there at the beginning of the fourth quarter to ride out the rest of the game because he's going to get torched on defense. You know, like Fitzpatrick might be the Lou Williams of football, and Lou Williams is awesome. Everybody loves him, but he's not the quarterback of the team. He's never asked to be the full-time quarterback of the team. Uh, Fitzpatrick, when asked to be the full-time quarterback, has proven that he's not the guy. He's not always the guy. So, I don't know. I think you ride Tua in week 17. I think if he does well enough, you start him in the week one of the playoffs. If he doesn't do well, I, I would obviously, as a non-Dolphins fan, it's a little different for me to say this, but I think it is it is good to give Fitz the chance 
to to fail one more time. And like, you know what I mean? Like he deserves it at that point. If if he has to come in and save the day for two in week 17, then you have to go to him in week one of the playoffs and let the 38-year-old go out and give it one more whirl, you know? But don't be shocked when he doesn't get it done because unfortunately, one of the easiest guys to root for in the league has not been one of the more successful guys in the league. And that's that. Subway sports, though. We have to keep moving. We have to talk about something else because I'm... Oh, Fitz got me all yeah. worked up over here, baby. <laughs> Sorry about all the Dolphins talk, fellas. No, we it's good. In advance. And to be honest, like, this is just uh, an interesting team, an interesting dynamic in uh, in the NFL across the board right now. And it's a dynamic that, you know, Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold fans for the Jets and Giants, Giants and Jets, haven't had to, to think of because there hasn't been somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick behind them. But you don't think if Ryan Fitzpatrick was still in, on the Jets that people would be saying, oh, bring back Fitzmagic. At least we were more fun back then. And then the yep. same conversation ensues. So it's an interesting topic no matter what, no matter who you're rooting for, no matter where you are. But uh, I think that rounds out the AFC stuff. Yeah, what's up? No, Fitz would be sick on the Giants, bro. I'm just thinking about that. Now that you just <laughs> well, mentioned that in the same sentence. Bro, he would be he would be something else on the Giants. I mean, at least they would put up 20 points a game. I don't know. Their I defense know. would, uh, who knows. We'll get to the Giants in a minute. But right, I, I, keep going. I just remember when uh, when Drew Brees went out, when Dak Prescott got hurt, I was like, all right, send Fitz to Dallas. Let's go. Let him sling it <laughs> with all those receivers down there. Jameis Winston, I'm like, send him to Dallas. Like, let him sling with CeeDee Lamb and, and Gallup and Cooper, whatever. But, yeah, oh, and de- speaking of Dallas, they're still in the damn thing. They might be in the playoffs. Who That's right. Frick, we're not at NFC yet. All right, real quick, AFC, roundup. We talked about the Finns, and we talked about the Browns at nauseum at this point already. Um, is it easy to say now, after the COVID stuff is seemingly in the rearview mirror, that of the wild card teams, the Ravens are by far the strongest? Yeah, I think that's, that's not even a question at this point. Lamar Jackson's on a... You know, he's not in the MVP talks, but the last three games he's on a heater. You know, he's yeah, he's on a yeah. Someone said it exactly just like that on TV, Pete. Someone's like he's on a big time three game heater. Um, they're dangerous, man. They're definitely dangerous, and the league's kind of lucky that well, I don't want to say a league, but these 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 wild card teams fighting for a spot are kind of lucky that they started figuring it out late. Because if they started figuring it out when you were rooting for them, Pete, and that was early in the year, uh, they'd be they'd be run away with this thing. They might not, they might not even be at the top of the AFC the AFC North. Bro, so, I'm saying. They, I think, it, think about it like this. They could have easily beaten the Steelers the first time they met, and the second time they met was a crazy COVID game on a Wednesday. You flip those two games, and then we have a different leader in the clubhouse right now. We 100%. Have, you no, know what I'm saying? 100%. And yeah. Obviously, hindsight is 2020. I have never given up on my, my – I'm calling them my Ravens this year. I've been – I feel like I'm the only one out here saying every week, like, dude, they're going to win. They're – incredibly talented and if they start running the ball a little bit you're done you're dead you're gone so yeah. i'm here i'm here for the ravens baby let's go lamar yeah no question man they listen they, they've been showing the league the last couple of weeks under the radar too because they weren't really in that playoff spot and besides that browns game that we all watched but you know they went out against the giants put up put up a dominant performance as we all saw as you know as you guys as you giants fan unfortunately saw but you know they're definitely solidifying themselves if if we make the playoffs as a wild card, the AFC better watch out. And, you know, I can't confidently say that about the Dolphins because no one's really going to say, ooh, we got to play the Dolphins. Not sure anyone's going to say that about the Colts after the performance they just put out on Sunday against Pittsburgh. Um, and, you know, no one's really saying that about the Browns right now either after the dud they just played against the Jets. So right now the only confident team that, you know, like you just mentioned, that you could go out and say is a really strong wild card team, you know, is the Ravens. And I guess the close second would be the Dolphins just based off of how they win in football games. 
Absolutely. And we shall see. Who, who do they have? Uh, the Ravens have the Bengals. They're at the Bengals, yes. who have been frisky. It's 11 and a half point spread. By the way, I did nail. I'm patting myself on the back a lot this week. I nailed both New York teams on my picks. I picked the Jets to, to cover. I didn't think they were going to win, obviously, but I picked them to cover, and I picked the Ravens because I was like, they're going to smoke the Giants. The Giants don't stand a chance. <laughs> they don't stand a chance. It's yeah. over. Uh, but that's it. We'll move on to the NFC now. It's uh, Pete Kennedy and Chris Muley. Shout out to Pat. Shout out to Rock. Uh, just the two of us riding throughout the rest of this episode here. Um, the NFC playoff situation is 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 some, somewhat similar in, in regards to we have three division titles locked up. We have the Packers, the Saints, and the Seahawks, uh, and then we have the Buccaneers who also did clinch one of the wild card spots. But we still have uh, four spots up in the air. Obviously, the NFC East we have the football team, and then the Cowboys and Giants with opportunities to both uh, win that. Basically, if football team wins, they're in. And then if they lose, the winner of Giants-Cowboys is the NFC title uh, winner. And then we have the Bear, the Rams, Bears, and Cardinals all fighting as well for that last spot uh, on the wild card. So kind of just madness. But can we start with the Arizona Cardinals and Los Angeles Rams? Who was more disappointing for you? This weekend was it was it the Cardinals' uh, inability to beat a broken 49ers team, or was it Jared Goff and the Rams' offense inability to do anything successful? Well, let me tell you one thing. I watched I watched a ton of football this weekend due to some circumstances going on in my life. Jared <laughs> Goff was absolutely terrible this past Sunday against the Seahawks. Now you know the Seahawks aren't a, aren't a no joke on defense. Jamal Adams, Bobby Wagner. You know, they're no joke, but Jared Goff went out there on Sunday with every chance to keep them in that football game, and he showed no signs of, of you know, helping his team out who's, who comes off with a strong run game and just needs him to do a couple big plays, a couple big uh, boot action plays. And he, he went out and he laid a dud against the Seahawks. They gave him every opportunity in that football game. Um, now, you know, me saying that, the Cardinals also went out against a, a pretty lackluster heavily injured 49ers team and laid an egg. You know, this is the Cardinals team with, what is it, 10, 10 weeks ago, this this same podcast is sitting on here saying, bro, are you kidding me? This offense, Cliff Kingsbury, they're going air show all day. They're sick. And, you know, that's how it looked. But they've really fallen off for a couple of weeks now. It's been a little while. But, you know, they go out against San Francisco. They got a great defensive coordinator, Rob Sala, a couple of good players on defense. But they just lay an absolute dud. You know, it's it's simple. Win and you're in. You're in your home stadium. You know, you got to go out. You got to put out a good performance. And you got to get in the playoffs. And it almost feels like, Pete, not to change the topic, but all these teams that had to win and get in, they really went out and didn't and just flat out didn't put out a good performance. I don't know if, the, you know, a bunch of these teams weren't teams that are steadily in the playoff race. I don't know if they're not used to, you know, being the – being the team that's got to win and get in, but these teams went out and put out a, a terrible performance. And, you know, if I had to pick between the two, between the Cardinals and the Rams, you know, I guess you got to go Rams because you're coming off that loss to the Jets. You're thinking, all right, listen, let's put that behind us. We need a big performance out here in Seattle. Division opponent, uh, tough game, obviously. You know, Russell Wilson, Seattle, Pete Carroll, always a tough game. But, you know, in my head, I'm saying to myself, I'm like, Sean McVay is a great coach. Like, he's going to come out with adjustments. He's going to put Jared Goff in winning situations, and they're going to go out and they, they're going to give Seattle a tough a tough game, and they're going to go out and win. And I was I couldn't even be far from being accurate, and you know, not not putting it all on Jared Goff, but yeah, he looked terrible. And that's that's how many games have we said that now that Jared Goff goes out, 
just lays this dud type of game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say he has no pride, but he was apparently playing with a broken hand or something like that. He has a break in his. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. So I think I, he broke his thumb like late fourth. Yeah, but... so I won't say he has no pride, but it was a uh, minimal pride. There was there was a lack of luster on that performance for sure, and it just it's disappointing because we've talked about this NFC West specifically the whole year. We were you said ten weeks ago. I say sixteen weeks ago after week one, especially because the Giants and Jets were playing the NFC West early. And maybe that's why we were so hyped on NFC West. They played the freaking the Giants, the Jets, and all the NFC East teams that suck, apparently, early in the year. And we we're like, oh, these teams are awesome, whatever. Then we saw the Cardinals just a week ago. Like, oh, Kyler's healthy again. They're back. Um, you know, they beat the Giants. They beat the Eagles in a shootout. Like, that. that's fun. They're back. They're exciting. Like, no, they're not. And maybe we just hyped them up too much too early because if you think about it, they're a Hail Mary away from being under 500 right now. Literally, I forgot about the, that. right? Yeah, the the Cardinals are a hail mary away from being under five hundred, and if you want to flip it to the other side, the Bills are a hail mary away from being, you know, one game out of first instead. But whatever, we're on we're on from the AFC. So I don't know what's more disappointing: the fact that the Rams' defense is so good and being held back by a bad offense right now, or that we just got too hyped too early on the Cardinals and Kyler Murray because they don't have the juice anymore either, and. We thought about this NFC playoff picture. We were so hyped about all these different teams. Can you believe now that we might have to watch Mitch Trubisky start an NFC playoff game, and they might be one of the better teams out of the bunch? That's the crazy thing to me right now, Mule. Like, the Bears, the way they're playing on offense and the way their defense can play, might be, besides the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the best wildcard team. Dude, you know, I was going to touch on that because the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken, Pete, they opened the door for the Bears, correct? The Bears were in the hunt. If the Cardinals lost... The Bears end up having the tiebreaker over the Cardinals, correct? Correct. Right now they have a tiebreak yeah. over Arizona for best win percentage in common games. How convenient. The freaking Bears, dude. They, they lost six games five. in a row. I know. I know. The Bears. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, the Cardinals haven't shown me much, but I don't want to see the Bears play in the playoffs. But, you know, like you just said, they might be one of the better teams sneaking in there. Um they're playing well. They put up, I think, uh, Sunday against Jacksonville. Not, not really saying much, but that was their first thirty-point, thirty-point performance of the season, which is kind of crazy. Well, they might have had two in a row. No, didn't they put up thirty? Is that like, what the stat was? It was either it was their it was their first of the year. Yeah, or it was their, back to back. You could be right. Um, let me double check. It was actually all right. So it was their it was their fourth thirty-point game in a row. That's what it was. And it was probably the first time oh, I did so that. Was, and who knows how long. Close. Yeah. Oh, well, they, they, I thought I heard it wrong on the broadcast. So they scored okay. 30 and lost against the Lions somehow. And then they put up 36-7 to against the Texans, 33-27 Vikings, 41-17 this week against the Jaguars. So it was probably right. the first time they had four 30-point performances in a row ever. <laughs> Not It, yeah, was, it so wasn't a- ever, but it was like since 80-something. A.K. don't blink now, don't listen to Mule, but the Bears are freaking hot. But I don't know, man. I, you know, like, how am I supposed to sit here and confidently say, you know, let the Bears go to the dance, maybe they'll make some noise. Like, because I don't, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't think Mitch Trubisky, you know, wild call weekend is going to go out and make any noise. No, well, so, you know, what's funny is, uh, and uh, to call, to call myself in again, another personal story here, but even in a fantasy sense, it's hilarious. I started Mitch Trubisky in my fantasy championship this week. You're a stud, bro. I started him last week. He only got 14. I was like, I have to ride Mitch Trubisky again. The Bears are too hot, baby. And he got 24 (laughs) fantasy points. I mean, it it comes down to, you look at Mitch Trubisky and you look at Kyler Murray, right? And you say, Kyler Murray is a better runner. He is a better thrower. 
He is pretty much a better quarterback in every way imaginable, right? But then you start thinking about the coaching. And at one point in life, not that long ago, we were th- we were talking about Matt Nagy as one of those dudes, as one of those offensive gurus that was dragging Mitch Trubisky to a Pro Bowl and making this Bears team way better than it should be because their defense is good, their quarterback sucks, but they're still winning games because Matt Nagy is that dude. Then this year, we didn't feel that way, and the Nick Foles thing went terrible, right? But you look at Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals, what are they doing that's special? Seemingly, when they're getting hot, it's just Kyler Murray connecting with DeAndre Hopkins and then DeAndre Hopkins being so good that it opens up you know, some opportunities for Dan Arnold or Christian Kirk to score some big ones. But it doesn't seem like schematically the Cardinals are doing anything to, to be special. And the Bears, with Mitch's limited skill set, can scheme to be special sometimes. So I don't know if I have confidence in either team. I pretty much don't. But if I had to pick one right now, going into the playoffs, I'm picking the Bears if I'm betting on a team, you know, to cover, maybe? Little, little Bears backdoor cover, wild card weekend? No, I know. You, you know, you're right. How do you how do you sit there and say, you know, one team or the other is going to be, you know, going to be a force in the playoffs or make some noise in the playoffs? I don't know. You make a great point because, you know, Arizona on offense has a, you know, you would like to say a good play caller in Cliff Kingsbury, a dynamic quarterback in Kyle Murray, and, you know, you'd like to think that Kenyon Drake and DeAndre Hopkins are two viable weapons in the NFL. And obviously that's, that goes without saying D hop is a top five in no order wide receiver in the NFL. It's not even the question. So, you know, just, just based off that alone, like you should be good enough in football team in that, in that, uh, in that NFC where, you, you know, you could go into wildcard weekend and, and, you know, make some stuff happen. So I don't know, you know, um, now if they both win, like I said, Pete, Chicago gets in. Correct. 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 And uh, oh my god, let me let well, me pull what's up the matchup. Who they got? Yeah, let me get who they got. I should have had that ready already, huh? No. Oh, so the, bear, the bears, the bears, the bears have the Packers. They're at Chicago, so it's uh, right now it's five and a half Green Bay. But again, who knows? You know, the Packers technically, I think they need to win. Do they oh, need to win? Dude. They need to win to to stay number one. I believe because the Saints beat the Packers earlier this year. Yeah, the Saints are the Saints are a game behind. Yeah, so. so if the Saints win and the Packers lose, I think the Saints get the number one seed, and that one seed's obviously important. I think it should be extra important to Green Bay. I think they're going to try and win yes. that game. I mean, I'd be yeah. I'd just be shocked if they didn't. Uh, and then the Cardinals have the Rams, so that one's that one's pretty much. Uh, I'm taking this from Bill Simmons, a loser le- a loser leaves town matchup because the Rams yeah. can put the Cardinals out of their misery, and if the Cardinals beat the Rams. I'm not 100% sure how it works out, but then they have the same record. What happened in the... the... No, I actually think, now that I think of it, but didn't, early in the year, didn't Arizona beat the Rams? I'm pulling it up. This is great podcasting. Uh, No, they they split. (laughs) If they beat the the Rams, they would split. I'm not sure what the percentage comes down after that. (laughs) All right, well, whatever. We'll, 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 We'll let the experts do that. But let me just say one thing. You said that Chicago's playing at Green Bay, correct? No, they're 17. in Chicago. They're in Chicago, and the, and Green Bay's giving them five and a half? Correct. Right? All right. Well, I'm going to – my pre-early – I don't go on the bets podcast because <laughs> no one wants me on here, but my pre-early house call of the week is going to be Green Bay over Chicago if Green Bay is constantly playing to win that game. There's no way. There's no way that Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy, <laughs> I don't care who he's throwing to, who he's handed to, is going to beat – Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, who is also a stud coach that nobody talks about. And I know we didn't even, you know, segment into this, Petey, but let me tell you something. Aaron Rodgers 
is playing out of his freaking mind, bro. 44 touchdowns, 44 touchdowns. He threw four touchdowns last night in a freaking blizzard. Like, he is just on another level. It helps him that Devontae Adams is also playing on another level. But, you know, Aaron, like, nobody wants to see Green Bay in the playoffs. Absolutely nobody. I don't care if it's the Saints. I don't care if it's uh, if it's an AFC team in the Super Bowl. I don't care who it is. You just don't want to see Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. But that's, you know, that's a whole other point. But... And, and you know what? Know, Here's man. a point that I thought you were just going to allude to that I'll allude to in the Packers, and then we'll get to the NFC East. Aaron Rodgers, if I had to guess, really wants this MVP trophy. Oh, yeah. And in order to solidify that, because I think he's the leader in the clubhouse right now. I don't have the odds in front of me, but I'll, I'll check. After last, after last night, he's in the, he's in the, he's in the driver's seat. And uh, yeah, so he's in the driver's seat now. He wants that MVP. He knows what it means to his career. His legacy is important. He also wants... Home field advantage. He talked about it. He's like, it sucks playing here. It's freezing as hell, but we're better at it than most other people. We we like playing here more than anyone else, or we we hate it less than anyone else, right? Because it sucks to play in that cold. That in, uh, home field advantage is so important because you see Drew Brees have to go to Lambeau. Who's picking the Saints? Who, who's doing it? I don't know. Not me. Guy has no ribs. You yeah. know, you know, like yeah. I'm just saying, if I'm the Packers, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, if I'm LaFleur. I'm saying we're playing this like it's to make the playoffs or not. I know it and, sucks in week 17. You want to be rested, but come on. Yeah. There's a lot of factors no, here. I had uh, I had our man Colin on today, and he he made a pretty good point. He goes, you know who's sitting there grinning right now? He goes, the Packers front office. Because, you know, they drafted Jordan Love. No one really talks about it anymore, but they drafted Jordan Love, and they, they said internally, yeah, it was maybe a little kick in the butt to uh, Aaron Rodgers. As if that guy needed any more of a kick in the butt. Oh, yeah? You want to waste a first-round draft pick? Not on a skill player, not on a lineman, not on bulking up the defense, but you want to pick some project quarterback and, and put a light of fire under my ass? No problem. I'm just going to go out and have the best season of my career lead us to the, to the one seed in the NFC and just absolutely dominate. So, you know, the Packers front office, I don't know if they really thought they could just burn that first-round pick, but they did, and – I'm going to tell you something. Jordan Love's on path to probably never suit up as a Packer unless he makes it Unless he makes it a couple more years after his rookie contract. But, you know, Jordan Love might be the low-key driving force in, in driving Aaron Rodgers out of control. He's going crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. I like I hate that take because I'm just still pissed that the Packers did that. But if you want to say it's it, true, it, though. it, yeah, if it, if it had a cause in Aaron Rodgers going crazy, um, sure. But also for 17 weeks, like, it, it inspired him for that long. I think he had some inspiration already. And it, weirdly enough, I literally just got a text from an old buddy of mine, an old coworker at CBS, who's a Chicago guy and Bears fan. He just, I don't talk to him that often, but he just texted me. I'm like, bro, I swear I'm recording a pod right now, talking about the Bears right now. Give me a take. And he just goes, oh God, such a complicated ask. And now he's typing. So if he gives me something before the pod's done, I'll, I'll read it on the pod. He's here. Already- I already know. I don't even know this guy. He's gonna say Mitch. He's gonna say the Bears upset Green Bay on Sunday. No, nah, no, nah, I know him. He's he's a skeptic, man. He's gonna be negative. Right. I'll, okay. I'll we'll, we'll guess on it. We'll come back to it. But let's All talk right. about the most exciting division in football now, the NFC East. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, also known as the NFC Least, and now in only a fashion the NFC East can can pull off, we can have a loser, just straight up loser coming into the into the playoff picture. Now, granted, not technically, so like the football team would have to win to be in. The, car, the Cowboys would have to beat um, 
They would have to beat the Giants. Uh, hold on. I memorized. I memorized this today. I think. God, I get so confused. So, so they, did the Cowboys beat the, the football team this year? Um, they well, I don't. I don't. Forget all that. The you Sunday night game is the is the Cowboys and Washington, correct? Uh, Cow- yeah. Washington Eagles. Washington, <laughs> Washington football team versus the Eagles. Right, and then the Cowboys G Men is is another game. It's right? during the day, yes, and the, and the Cowboys. Okay. Before you continue, have lost twice to the football team this year. Okay, but Washington is winning in. That's a fact. Correct. If they win, they're in. Doesn't matter what else happens. Right. If Washington loses and the Giants win, the Giants are in. Correct. correct? Yes. Okay. Right. And then if the if Washington loses, on, Washington loses and the Dallas Cowboys win, then the Cowboys are in. Correct. Because, because oh right now the the Giants are five and ten, so if they beat the Cowboys, then the Giants and Cowboys have the same record, but the Giants have the tiebreak over the Cowboys. But the Cowboys, if they win, they have the better record than the football team. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so good. All right, all right, all right. I think we have it figured out. I think we have yes. it figured out. So let's just go here first. We'll go to the Giants first, based off of what we've seen with Daniel Jones over the past couple weeks and now over the Giants just whole team over the past couple weeks. I can't wrap my head around how they score enough points to win a game. I think if they win, it will have to be due to holding their opponent to like 17 points or less. Is that the only way you can see the Giants winning? I think so. And I'm not even going to say that because of who the Giants are. You know, I watched I watched Dallas on Sunday. I know they're playing the Eagles, but you know, I was telling this to a buddy of mine who's uh, who's a Cowboys fan. You know, Dallas has weapons kind of all over the field on offense. You know, and I know they had a lackluster year. I know it's Andy Dalton, the beige water pistol, Pete. I know you love to call him, but you know, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and you know Zeke Zeke Elliott, and now the two headed monster with Tony Pollard. I don't think anyone really wants to play Dallas right now. You know, I'm not saying they're going to even make any noise in the playoff game, but especially the Giants. Like, you know, you can't see the Cowboys going out there scoring a quick touchdown. You can't see Daniel Jones and the Giants going back and forth with the Cowboys. You just can't. It's just, you know, how the Giants have solidified themselves as a football team this year. They play tough defense, and they like to run the ball, and they like to slow the pace down, and they try to go out and, you know, win the time of possession. But, you know, Dallas doesn't really strike you as that type of team. Now, Dallas isn't strong on defense, but the Giants are most definitely not strong on offense. So the matchup definitely bodes into Dallas's favor. And I think after Sunday, the odds makers will probably agree with me on that one. But, you know, I, I can't see the Giants putting up, like you said, Pete, you know, more than 17, 20. And I could, I could see Dallas putting up, you know, 20, maybe mid-20s or, you know, high 20s, low 30s. You know, they, they're starting to click a little bit on offense. They are. And, you know, like I said, it's not against good teams, but they're definitely getting something going over there in Dallas. Yeah, I'm, and I'm not going to belabor the point that I went on the last time you, I, and Pat were on a podcast where I basically didn't even mean to, but just started ripping the Giants' offense to shreds because of how bad they have been because they've been bad basically this whole season. But you look at the, the Cowboys now, they've now gone 37 points, 41 points, 30 points in their last three games. One was the Bengals. One was the 49ers. That was 41 points. And then 37 against the Eagles this week. Almost unanswered. Almost. It wasn't all unanswered, but it felt like it. So, yeah. I'm taking the, the Cowboys this week, man. I'm doing it. 
It's two and a half point spread right now. I don't know if you just said that or not. Cowboys are two and a half point favorites. Even though it's at New York, it doesn't matter. You say you see Andy Dalton and you see Daniel Daniel Jones. Which offense do you have more faith in? You have more faith in Andy Dalton. He's as I'll I'll go to Cowherd again. He says this about Andy Dalton all the time. He's a he's a good distributor of the football. And when you have weapons like that, that's all you need to be. You don't need to be Fitz Magic. You don't need to be Russell Wilson. You don't even need to be Dak Prescott at that point where, you know, Dak's doing a lot more than just distributing. He's really controlling the offense of being a, a leader leader. But with Gallup and CeeDee Lamb and Cooper and Zeke looking like a human again, like Zeke was terrible for huge chunks of this year. He had some good run early in the first couple weeks. Then he was non-existent. Then it was like, is he even going to come back and play? Does it matter? Pollard might be better right now. And now he looks healthy again. He looks right. There's no chance that I'm betting on the Giants this week. I don't know if I'm going to actually make the Cowboys one of my picks, but if I was forced to bet that game, I don't know where the confidence come from uh, with the Giants. Now, granted, as you mentioned, the Cowboys have doing it, been doing it against a little bit weaker opponents, but we saw what the Niners do. Even when they're, even when they're depleted, the Niners put up really, really solid performances like across the board on defense, right? The Giants just played the Ravens. That's an incredibly hard matchup they had no chance in. So maybe it's a product of who they just played, but I don't know how you can confidently say the Giants have a, have a good chance here. Oh, you're 100% right, Pete. But, you know, we sit here and say, I feel like every week or every time I'm on here, we do we do this little NFC East tidbit, and we'll always kind of pick one team. I think the last time I was on, I was like, the Washington football team is going to ride it out. They're in, lock it in. And the two weeks before that, I said the Giants. And now I'm going to sit here and kind of confidently speak into the Cowboys, but I won't be shocked if next week you text me like, yo, we're going to record. I'll be like, yo, are the Giants really in the playoffs right now? Like, is that really <laughs> what's going on? Good, you know, then, like, like you said, it's such a dumpster fire. Like, you really, you wouldn't be shocked if the most odd scenario ends up coming through on Sunday for this NFC East, man. And it, listen, it's it sucks because it's not really great football, but it's it's goddamn entertaining. It is, you know, as giant, yeah, it really is, man. Like it's entertaining as a giant fan. I go, it's probably painful because you're five and ten, and like party was like, oh my god, we might make the playoffs, and party was like, who cares, we stink. But at the end of the day, you're a fan. You want to see your team make it to the playoffs. Don't matter. Let the boys go to the dance. Maybe make some noise. You never know. Of course, you're always rooting for your team to make the playoffs in football, no matter what. It's like it's the easiest thing to root for ever. But the crazy part is there's actually a path here. So say say the Cowboys beat the Giants, the Eagles beat the football team, the Cowboys are now in the playoffs, and the Panthers, I don't know, I think the Panthers, I don't know who they play, it doesn't matter, but if the Panthers win, then all of a sudden the Giants could drop down to like the third or fourth pick in the draft. <laughs> so they were playing for the playoffs in week 17, and if they lose and other people win right, they can be like the third pick in the draft. Well, now that you just bring up the third pick, I wasn't going to say it. I was going to say it before. Yes, Miami I'll take Justin the Fields. What? The Miami is the first <laughs> team since 2003 to currently be in a playoff spot and have a top three pick in the NFL. Thank you to Houston and Billy O'Brien. Right now, we are currently slated behind the Jags and the Jets at the third pick in the 2021 NFL draft. Just had to throw that out there real quick. That No, that's, that's, that's interesting. Uh, it really is. And uh, to talk about the football team real quick, obviously we now know Dwayne Haskins will not be their quarterback. Uh, so but that, that doesn't matter. I don't think it matters. I think this guy Heineke might be as good as Dwayne Haskins, maybe better. Who knows? I don't know. He did some things on, on the field the other day. It made you think, oh, maybe this guy can do something. But obviously the goal for the football team is to have Alex Smith behind the uh, quarterback. 
And, uh, yeah, if Alex Smith's starting, I think you feel decent about the football team pulling through. But you also know the Eagles now with Jalen Hurts and this offense being better recently. They have a great chance to beat the football team, too. So if I were betting, man, my $10, because that's all I put on bets, usually $20 maybe, <laughs> my 20 bucks is good on the Cowboys to, <laughs> to win the NFC East right now. Uh, I did hear back from my guy Luke, though, on the Bears, and he basically said, I'm not ready to like make a prediction about this week, but I will say this predicament that is one of the less spoken about predicaments at the quarterback position in, in the league right now is if Mitch leads to the playoffs, no matter how he does, we have to think he's not the future quarterback for this team still, right? So do they pick a Mac Jones? Do they pick a Trask? And then even still, they're still in no man's land in quarterback because you're not picking a Lawrence or a Fields. If you're the Bears, you're not going to be able to get one of those guys. You know, maybe you say uh, this guy from BYU, maybe he's a guy you can get, you can grab. Trey Lance is a guy people talk about a little bit still. But even if the Bears pull out this 9-7 and seven season, make the playoffs feeling real good about themselves, they by no means are set up for future success at the quarterback position. And you're talking about the Giants' confusion. If you're a Bears fan, you're sitting here feeling really good about your team playing better now, but you're still saying, what the hell are we moving forward? I don't know. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt. That, that kid, he makes a good point, but I don't, like, if Mitch leads him to the playoffs, can you just, you know, you could just say, that's it, we're done with this guy? But then again... Well, you say I, you bring him back. He said you bring him back, but he has to play a certain level to, to keep the job. Doesn't it feel like it's kind of going to be the same thing over there for a little while, whether whoever the, the coach is or the backup quarterback is, as long as he's there, he's going to have that good game. He's going to have that eh game. Like, well, you're right. You're kind of in no man's land over there in Chicago. Yeah, and a guy who I want to see in a team like Chicago or a team like Pittsburgh is a guy on the Jets and Sam Darnold. I want to see what Sam Sammy D. D. What can Sammy D do with an actual team around him that's competent, putting together, you know, skill players who don't suck, an O-line that doesn't suck? Maybe Sam D has some juice. We've seen him show juice, you know, from time to time, and people want to just act like he's complete trash all the time. It's like, no, this guy has actually had a lot better performances in this league than you probably are willing to admit. And now that the Jets look like they're probably going to retain uh, Sam Darnold, the Sam Darnold to back up Big Ben till he's ready to go. Sam Darnold to take over Philip Rivers or Chicago. That doesn't look possible either. So there's another option out the window there. I don't know. Uh, we, we know enough Jets fans in our lives. We'll, we'll do our last uh, words here on the Jets and we'll say goodbye. <laughs> from your uh, third-party view, uh, especially from our group chat alone, what is your, your feeling on Jets fans right now? How do you think they're doing? What, <laughs> what's going through their heads? I'm- I'm not gonna lie. I'm 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 super excited. You just gave me the green on talking <laughs> like a quick Jets thing. Um, I don't think I'm in a group chat who doesn't contain a Jet fan. Obviously, this is how it works. We're from we're Staten Island guys at heart. We got a lot of you know Jet fans. You know, I think I think it'd be a little more painful if they still had one win. The fact that they want another one and it just kind of solidifies. Okay, no matter what, you have no chance at this pick. Almost decreases the pain a little bit. I think we, everyone can agree on that. But I, I don't think I was on last week, or well, I think we missed last week, but the absolute utter disappointment from a, from a fan base <laughs> when the Jets beat the Rams was, to me, as a Dolphin fan, and as a good friend to many Jet fans who, who I'm sure are, li- are going to listen to this podcast, was so enjoyable. You want to talk, <laughs> talk about no man's land? 
when the Jets end up picking second this year and no quarterback prospect after Trevor Lawrence is remotely even close to being a game changer like he is, and they end up either trading back, maybe picking a lineman, rolling it out with Sam Donald, maybe picking a quarterback late in a couple of rounds. They're going to be in no man's land again. With Marvin Lewis as the head coach, Dell's going to kill me when he comes back. <laughs> Marvin Lewis as the head coach or John Harbaugh as the head coach. They're not going to get no flashy college guy. And this guy's going to come in and he's going to have to say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll roll with Sam Donald as my quarterback. I'll see what we can do. And the Jets are going to be in the same spot next year they were in this year. And I'm not blaming Sam Donald, you know, but they're so far behind on the rebuild <clears throat> that I don't know how many pieces they could put around, either whether it's Sam Donald or anyone else, that they're going to be, a, you know, a, a middle-of-the-pack football team. So I don't know where they go. Um, you know, they might even win again next week, Pete. Who the hell knows at this point? They're hot. Uh, but, you know, they got they got a lot to figure out. And then Joe Douglas, you know, I, I won't knock the Jets completely. Joe Douglas seems like he knows what he's doing a little bit. But he's going to constantly have to hire a guy that's going to, you know, most likely say, who, this is who I want as my quarterback. You know, I don't want Sam Donald. I don't want this. I don't want that. So I guess we got a long way to go with the Jets. It's going to be a long couple months in the offseason with them. But as a Dolphins fan and as a friend of many, many loud Jets fans, you know, I just, I just laugh at the dysfunction. So I've been there though. I've been there. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately as a Giants fan, we've been there too. We're, we, may, we may still be there. You know what I mean? So I will just read this, uh, this thing I got from a listener, actually someone we both know. He's a listener and supporter of the pod, Dan Galford. Shout out to him. Uh, yeah. So he, uh, he hit me up on, on Instagram, on Subway Sports Talk Instagram. And it was one of the polls I had up. Checking in on Jet fans, or not polls, but just thing like, you know, checking in on Jet fans. How are you guys doing? And he goes, I love that they won. I hope they went out. And I was like, so you want Darnold as the QB next year? Like what? And he goes, listen, I like Darnold. I think without Gase, there's still time for him to develop. We can also get more for that second pick. There's still so many pressing needs for this team. Also, how many generational quarterbacks have there been since Andrew Luck? Tua was supposed to be generational. He's probably not the best quarterback in his class. Luck was supposed to be that guy. He's retired. Wilson wasn't even a top pick. Like Wentz was an MVP candidate. Now he's benched for a transfer from college. Cam Newton is a step away from being done in the league. And, you know, I, I read his point and he said some more things there. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, he's like basically saying, I want them to make smart moves. If we didn't get Trevor Lawrence, there's still smart moves to be made to make this team more competent. And we figure that out later. And I, and I read his point and I was like, you know what? It's definitely the glass half full approach, but it's also a sound approach. Like it's pretty, it's kind it's it's kind of it's not crazy to feel that way is my point if you're a Jets fan and you feel the same as Dan like you're not wrong it's just to to root for losses basically all year right and then to get it stripped away in week 15 to not get that guy in Trevor Lawrence absolutely stings but to say there's no path to figure out you know how to get this team on the right track without Trevor Lawrence, I think is wrong as well. So, you know, you look at this team, you look at the picks that they have, they've traded away every good player they had for the past two years now. They have picks. They're going to have the second or third pick in the draft now. They're going to have another, a great one now. If they move back and they get more picks, there's a lot of options to where you start looking at this Jets roster next year and you go, oh, that guy's pretty good. Oh, that's a new O-line next to Mekhi Becton. That looks pretty good. Oh, there's another guy in the secondary. Oh, an edge rusher, like... All of a sudden, this team looks competent, and then maybe Sam Darnold does look a lot better, or maybe you still have to figure out quarterback, but then you're, you're in the same boat as a lot of other teams in this league, but 
the rest of your team is looking good enough to where it's not going to make you guys a laughing stock. So that being said, it absolutely stinks to miss out on a guy like Trevor Lawrence. I'm in that camp 100%, but it's not like this means 10 more years of depression. There is a now a path to let Joe Douglas do what he hasn't had the chance to do yet, which is build through the draft, get some nice little free agent signings and make this team a real team. So Yes, it sucks for Jets fans right now, but it also doesn't lead to an absolute hopeless path. There's a way for them to build through this draft now and make a splash and make themselves competent. That's all I'm saying. It's kind of like the Knicks. It's like the Knicks. They didn't get Zion. They didn't get John Morant, but they got a nice player. They got some extra picks with their the talent they traded away. And look, now the Knicks aren't great still, but they're they're on a path to success. And that's all you can ask for sometimes with, with a franchise like that. So... That's it. You, know, you, you, you got anything else to say on the Jets? I think you're good, right? No, I think you t- you, you gave uh, – you, you pulled a nice good cop there. I came in with the bad cop. Hey, you know, they're, you know they're what? Screwed. No, no, no. No, listen, you had to because I, I, I'm, I'm going to go out and just kind of steamroll him a little bit. But you're right. You make a good point. Like, you got to put a little faith in your GM. Listen, you hired this guy confidently. Um, you know, he made some great moves when he was with Philadelphia. He's got a good track record. He's got a good respect around the league. So you got to hope that – you know, this is his first full offseason. He's going to go into a draft where he wants to do and his ideology. Pick his, his coach. Core, yeah, his, his coach, his core principles as a football team and how to build it. You got to give him a shot. And, you know, and I, I'm one, you know, I, I see my team hire hire somebody and hire a coach and draft you know, the right way. And, you know, we, we got lucky. We turned around quicker than everyone thought. But, you know, it's very possible. Um, you know, there's impact guys in college you could draft and there's, there's right free agents you could sign that could really turn your franchise around. So, you know, it'd be, it'd be good for New York in general if the, if the Jets do it right. Like, you know, it'd be good for New York sports. It'd be good for, you know, New York media, that whole mind. So, you know, we'll see about the Jets, but. Yeah, we shall see. We shall see. Subway Sports Talk, though. Pete Kennedy, Chris Mule, Um, I believe by this point in time, I locked up my fantasy championship, I believe, right? Did Stefan Diggs get another touchdown? He scored another 40-yard oh like, touchdown. He's yep. field, oh, he's got 40 points tonight. I only needed 22. How about that? Shout out to Stefan Diggs. You've been a freaking absolute boom for me in fantasy this year shout out to him two fantasy champions here oh yes oh man i i meant to do that for you i meant to to give you the shout (laughs) in our or uh our home league all the boys from from high school all football teammates of one another in high school still talk every single day talk too much i think sometimes the way the smack gets way too much (laughs) the group chat was on another level today right after uh, we got to announce mule as the winner of fantasy uh, and I'll have to Venmo him his winnings. So shout out to you. Good for you. Good for you. And shout out to Paul Bars. You suck. Guy <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't even put up a fight. That. Didn't even put up a nah. fight in the championship. Not even close. And actually, to keep it in the podcast, I actually uh, took down Alec Argento, another uh, co-host of Subway Sports Talk. So a lot of uh, success in the pod on fantasy front. Maybe we should start doing a fantasy show next year. But nah, I'll leave that to my buddies over at Run Up the Score. They they'd be crushing it and stuff. So uh, Mule. Thank you as always. I'm happy that your Dolphins got a win this week. Big week for you now coming up. Any last words for SST? Absolutely, Pete. Uh, you know, week 16 comes down to an end. 2020 comes down to an end, my man. 2020 comes down to an end. Um, since we're here to talk football and not the world, what a year it's been. You know, ups and downs, COVID protocols, guys missing. You know, games getting moved around, roster changes. You know, it's been a hell of a year. But shout out to the NFL for pulling it off because the world really needed it and we really needed it. Um, I'm glad I got to came on here and talk about it for sure. I never came on and 
you know, I always always hit you up on the side and tell you I'm a big fan and give you my points here and there, even though they're probably not warranted. But, you know, it was really fun to come on here with, with you, Pat, and Rock. But we still got one more week to sort things out, my man, one more week. And on a personal level, I'm praying, I'm praying. Um, as we're recording this right now, Buffalo is dominating the Patriots 38-9 to with seven minutes left. I'm praying next week my Dolphins somehow pull it off. Go eleven and five, second year, second year in on a rebuild, and uh, I'll be recording a, a wild card weekend podcast, doing cartwheels in my underwear. Um, <laughs> no, nah, it's been fun, man. I'm really excited for you know week seventeen in the playoffs, but you know we'll see. Like I said, a lot of things to sort out. NFC East, you know, winning you're in a bunch of crazy games this weekend, man. It's going to be a good one. Absolutely. Uh, good stuff by you. Um, you know, one of the best things I did, I think recently was, was all of a sudden I'm sitting in my apartment. I'm like, you know, I got my NBA crew with Duffy, Frank and Kyle and Andrew Duffy. And then I got baseball. I got Alec and Andrew. I was like, I don't really have a football crew of people who I do the pod with consistently, you know, talking the league. Right. Cause I had people I can come on, talk giants, talk jets, you know, talk a little bit of the league. And then I call up Patty Boyle who has been absolutely incredible on this pod. He's obviously not here right now. He had to leave to go work. Uh, he's been incredible on the pod. Rocco, you know, he's talking to me about the pod, and he's like, yo, you're crushing it, like, great stuff. Like, I used to do this and that, like, a podcast-style thing. I'm like, bro, you'd be awesome. Like, you're a character. You know your stuff. It's amazing. So Rocco came on, and then, you know, you and I were talking about it, and I was like, yeah, yo, let's get, get you on, and then it kind of just didn't happen. Then all of a sudden – you know, we're talking even more than normal about football and we're talking about the Dolphins and we're talking about gambling and we're talking about all this stuff. I'm like, bro, why are you not on my pod right now? And then all of a sudden <laughs> you came on. Now it's week 17. You've probably been on 10 times and uh, we're having a great time doing it. So shout out to you. Shout out to everybody who has uh, helped me out and co-hosted pods with me throughout 2020. We're on to 2021 and hopefully bigger and better things on Subway Sports Talk. Um, I'll do a whole, sp- a whole spiel. I'm going to do one more episode on basketball before the year's over. So I'll do a whole spiel later about saying thank you, but, you know, I can't say it enough, so thank you for listening. That's just the best thing ever when someone takes time out of their day to listen or, you know, wear along for your day when you're going on a run, you're working out, you're working and listening along to us. So just shout out to any listener. That, that means the world to us when someone lets us know, yeah, yo, enjoy the pod, enjoy this, enjoy that. So just just shout out. I don't, I don't have much more else to say. But my famous last words will be about the Knicks right now. Can we get my guy Frank Nilakina some damn minutes? That's it. That's it. I'm just saying. The New York Knicks, not going to be a good team, not going to be a playoff team, but there is clear-cut signs to competence that they're on their way. And that joke of a picture, the meme that's been going up of David Fisdale coaching the Knicks, down by 40, smiling on the sidelines against Milwaukee versus Tom Thibodeau in his mask. His eyes look pissed off anyway. They're up by 30 against the Milwaukee Bucks, and he's still coaching as if it was the playoffs. He's coaching as if it was the last game he was going to coach. That's an energy the Knicks desperately needed. I think the players are responding in a way that you would hope they would, and uh, some of these young guys are starting to show some things. Keep looking at R.J. Barrett. Let's look for Frankie Smokes to get some more minutes, um, and then we'll see quickly and top and get back from their little injuries, and hopefully we can still enjoy watching this Knicks team because I, I think at the very minimum we're going to like this team and we're going to like what they're building because that's all we can ask for right now. But yeah. Shout out to the uh, – listen, I know I'm not going to steal your last word, Pete, but if you guys listening to the football pod and you enjoy it, go go listen to an NBA Outsiders podcast with Petey and the fellas. It's a great listen, man. I, I'm not even a big NBA dude. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm like a casual basketball fan. 
But when the world we live in today and, you know, sports is a good escape from a lot of things, go listen to an NBA Outsiders podcast, Pete and all his boys, Duff and, you know, Frank. I even, I feel like I know these guys because I listen, <laughs> but they're a great, they're a great listen. And so if you guys listen to this one, you should definitely give the NBA a shot. It'll make you at least dabble in some NBA, so. Well, thank you, brother. Appreciate that. And uh, yeah, that's it. Subway Sports Talk. NBA Outsiders coming uh, later this week before the new year. And we're back in 2021. Better than ever, hopefully. So uh, stay safe on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Do what you got to do. See who you got to see. But keep it smart. Keep it light. And uh, get the drinks flowing. We got some more football coming up. And we'll be back next week in 2021 to talk football throughout the rest of the playoffs. Subway Sports Talk, baby. Cheers.